This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Happy St. Patrick's Day to those who celebrate. Maybe a little bit of luck of the Irish with the Calgary Flames last night. Getting a big win in Vegas. 7-2 victory at T-Mobile Arena. Flames were 0-7-1 in their prior eight games in that building. So they get their first win in Vegas last night. Uh, Tyler Toffoli with two goals, four points. He's up to 60 on the season which is a new career high. Uh, He's on pace for a new career high in goals as well. His second goal of the game, or the second goal of the game, I should say, excuse me, from Toffoli was great. He comes in, he causes the turnover, makes the nice power move, gets quick to drop down, frees him up a little bit, scores. Pretty nice. We're not going to spend too much time of me just rambling about this, though. Because we've got Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk. He's coming up momentarily uh, for our weekly Pat Chat. We'll break that game down uh, in more depth, talk a bit more about Toffoli with Pat. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk to Jason Bukla, former NHL scout, uh, now an analyst at Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Talk to him a little bit about the news out of Buffalo today. Devin Levi has signed his entry-level contract after a really successful career in the NCAA with Northeastern. And uh, Jason had a Flames prospect report go live on Sportsnet.ca this week. We'll talk to him a little bit about Matt Coronado, who is playing tonight against Cornell in the ECAC semifinals. But before all that, let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we do have the one and only Pat Steinberg on the line for our weekly Pat Chat. Pat, what's up? How are you? I'm well. How are you, friend? I'm good. I've got my ginger, honey, and lemon <laughs> concoction beside me. Yeah, you Hoping sound like I don't. Phoebe. You sound like Phoebe when she had the, the cold. <laughs> are you serious? I apologize to all of the listeners. This is why I didn't have a show for most of the week and last week because I sounded even worse. And I was like, I can do this. I can come back. I can do a radio show for an hour. I can do this. this is when, and now this you're is when telling you me to... that I sound terrible. No, remember, Phoebe <laughs> liked her voice more and she got yes. more record. She got more record deal looks because of her voice. So you should, uh, yeah. you should, start, uh, you should start recording some music. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start doing my own renditions of Smelly uh, Dog. I will write my own like, songs about Bono. Or the, his you, can do the, you can do your own rendition of the Lips Getting Stuck on Your Teeth song. That one's classic. <laughs> that one's getting a nice renaissance. I have uh, one video, I believe, posted on my TikTok account for anyone listening who cares. And it's of Bono with uh, his lips getting stuck on his teeth, so... You can't help it. <laughs> I know it's not his fault. <laughs> but uh, let's get it. into <laughs> what, Pat? To deal with it. <laughs> yeah, stop this. Um, let's get into the game from last night, though, Pax. The Flames finally beat Vegas at T Mobile Arena. 7 2 victory. 
pretty massive win from the Calgary Flames. What uh, what did you make of last night? Well, I, I just thought it was a, a really good game from them. Um, I Like whether it ended 3-2 and, and Blake Coleman's goal that broke the 2-2 tie ended up being the final goal of the game and they win by one or whether they go on that run and bust it wide open in the third period, I just, I would have thought the Flames were full marks for the victory because they played really well. I mean, they came out with urgency. I like the way they started the game. And, and maybe they didn't handle that six or seven minute run when Vegas really started to push there. Uh, they didn't handle it as well as they would have liked maybe, but sometimes that happens. And, and one of the problems this year for the Flames has been when that run starts, they've let it they've let it not only hurt them momentarily, but hurt them for the rest of the night. And they didn't do that. It was 83 seconds after Riley Smith tied it. Very shortly thereafter, there was a commercial break. And I thought the Flames did a great job of regrouping in that commercial break and then coming back and and a couple of good shifts strung together. And next thing you know, Blake Coleman's got the go-ahead goal and the Flames never looked back from there. And I I just thought it was a, a solid night for them where the things that they do that gives them success they did for most of the night. How many times? And we can talk all we want about was Vegas at their best or was Vegas tired. I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost irrelevant at this point of the year. Everybody's got schedule things. So when the other team is on a tough schedule, you got to take advantage. Like many teams have taken advantage of the Flames this year on, on tough schedule nights. So, you know, I, I, I thought that they forechecked really well. And when their forecheck is on, when their forwards are tough on opposing defensemen, they create turnovers. And a couple of goals were created off of turnovers. The, the goal you were just talking about, Toffoli's first goal, that was directly off a turnover. And then Lindholm gets it right to him and a great finish. Those, those things are kind of examples and hallmarks of when the Flames are at their best. And then... They, they really didn't allow a whole lot as the game went along. They they did a good job limiting from the outside. Jacob Markstrom only had to face 19 shots. I just thought all all things considered, it was a really solid kind of blueprint game for the Flames. They were true to the type of team they need to be, and they got some offense. But, I mean, in reality, it was a one-goal game after 40 minutes of play, and then, you know, it kind of turned into a runaway in the back half of the third period. So was that a 7-2 game? Probably not. Was it closer to a 3-2 or a 4-2 game? Yeah, probably. But I still thought Calgary was the better team for the vast majority of that hockey game. And because a 60-minute effort doesn't really exist in this sport, especially mm-hmm. at this level, you know, the, the fact that they were able to do what they did, I thought was uh, was a really, really solid outing for them. And, and now they're 4-1-1 and in their last six games. And that point against Arizona you know, maybe it feels a little bit more like a point earned as a point as opposed to a, a point loss because now they've got, what, uh, nine of a possible 10 points or whatever it is or eight of a possible, I don't know how to do math, uh, nine of a possible 12 points or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is in go. their last six games. So, so it's, <laughs> it, it was good. It was a solid win, something they can build on. Now don't take a step back Saturday against Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think going into this game, one of the, kind of big topics around this team and, and this was in Dom Luce Chishin's 16 stats he pulled up this number is 
the and this isn't new. We've talked about this on the show. You talk about it all the time on Flames Talk. We hear it from the text line, uh, Twitter, etc. Is that the team's issue with consistent production? And so a big like seven two victory is obviously notable. But this was literally out the morning before that game from from Dom here, which was since the break the Flames have actually increased their scoring chance rate slightly. So they're kind of generating 3.51 expected goals per 60, but they have scored fewer than 10%. They've scored 10% fewer goals since the All-Star break, dropping to only 2.78 per 60. So they're generating all this, and this is something we've talked about again. They're generating all this offense, but they're not finishing those chances, and that finishing rate is 26th in the league over that time frame. So I think that's obviously been a huge topic for this team. So I don't know if it makes it more refreshing and optimistic to see a big seven-goal burst by this team or a little bit frustrating in the sense that you can see what this team looks like when you know it's they're not always going to score seven goals that's not what I'm saying but you know when you see the way that they're turning pucks over and they're not allowing much and Markstrom looks good and they're actually scoring the goals that they're generating and it's not just an expected goal conversation so I don't know if last night is more of like a you take this as a positive or you watch it and you say it's a little bit frustrating because we know what they look like when things work and they look pretty good or a little bit of both it was cool to see them win in Vegas and it was cool to see them kind of stop that storyline from going any further. And it was cool to see them score all those goals. But at the same time, it remains frustrating that they're such a Jekyll and Hyde inconsistent team. And they never really quite do what you think they're going to do on any given night. So I think it's kind of a mixture of both. I think they're a frustrating group. And I think as a fan, you're frustrated after a game like that because you're like, why is this? Why is this here now? Why are you sucking me back in when it's been nothing but up and down and pain over the first 69 games? So I I do really think it is. It's a, it's a mixture of both. Now, part of me while that game was going on is they were running the score up there in the third period. I'm like, maybe save a few for Saturday because it has been such an inconsistent, um, an inconsistent offensive team this year. It's funny. You bring up Dom's numbers and um, Sportsnet stats guru, Dave Moyer was texting me a couple of days ago as well. And uh, he was just going through some of the shooting percentage numbers. And, you know, over the last number of weeks, the flames were under 6% on their, their shooting percentage, which is just unheard of. And, and so, Look, this team is not a high-end finishing team. I think we know that. We're 85% of the way through the season. They don't score a lot. They don't convert uh, at a high rate compared to other teams. They are what they are in that regard. But even even for their standards, a run of a number of weeks under 6% is not sustainable. It's going to get a little higher than that. So, you know, I, I, I do think that they've actually shown some signs here over the last little bit of being a team on the right track. I don't know if it's ultimately going to be enough for them to get into the playoffs, 
but at the very least, they were able to get to the middle, generate some scoring chances, and last night used their time on the attack, and they were the team with more time on the attack once again last night. They spent far more time hemming Vegas in and far more time on the front foot uh, as opposed to Vegas did, and they were able to turn it into a little bit more meaningful offense. And You know, when you're, when you're a 60% five-on-five possession team, and you end up with 9-4 on your high-danger scoring chances, I think you'll take that. And I think yeah. that you'll be, I think you'll be happy with the game that you played coming out of it. And I think the Flames should be satisfied with the wrong word. But I think the Flames can feel good about that win. And the Flames can say, okay, there's another night similar to a few of the others, the Ottawa game or the Dallas game they played a couple of weeks ago. Now, these are games that they can build on and say, this is what we need to do on a more regular basis. So, the fact that they were able to score seven, they're not going to do that on Saturday against Dallas, I don't think. But they they are a team that has, I think, been trending in a slightly better direction over the last few weeks here. And you're absolutely right about the how the Flames kind of suck you back in because, what, the last two games they lose to Anaheim uh, and they lose to Arizona. Sure, you get a point out of those two. And, yeah, they're 4-1-1 one one now if you kind of zoom out and look at that whole picture. Um, but I know that, that loss to the Ducks and then following it up with the loss to Arizona, there's a lot of people out there being like, yeah, they're done. It's over. It's, it's done. We're done with this. And then the very next game is a 7-2 win against Vegas. And all of a sudden, they're three points back at the Winnipeg Jets, who continue to flounder. And the Jets lose last night to the Bruins. Um, and the Nashville Predators, who technically have a better – they not technically, they do have a better points percentage than the Flames. They lose last night to the Blackhawks. And, yeah, the Oilers, uh, who else? The Kings and the Kraken also win, which are – you know, big points in the Pacific division that's going against the Flames. But if you're kind of standings watching, last night was a pretty good night if you're a Flames fan who's kind of watching the standings and still hoping for the playoffs. Yeah, and it's the uh, the first time in a while that everything kind of went Calgary's way. They won, and they get all the help they needed on the out-of-town scoreboard. And so, yeah, if, if it, it may, maybe that's something they're like, okay, well, this thing isn't done. And it wasn't that long ago that they were seven back of a playoff spot and felt it felt really done. Now, I, I, I still don't think Winnipeg is going to flounder for the rest of the season. And Nashville, with those six points on the table that neither the Jets nor the Flames have in this conversation is, is a real stalking horse in this whole conversation. But, you know, I just, I, I, what, what I, what I felt last week coming out of that ducks loss um, and what I feel about a week later really isn't all that different in that. I still think I, I thought it was an uphill climb then, but everything was still on the table for them. And I still think it's an uphill climb and everything's on the table for them. And so I, they, they are not done. I don't think – I didn't think then that it was time to start sitting veterans and bringing in young players and, and kind of waving the white flag on the roster. I still don't think that's the case now that they're three points back. Um, I, I think that they got to keep this going and, and, and play as if every game is a meaningful one until – there are no more meaningful games. And maybe that's game 79, maybe that's game 81, or maybe all 82 are important, and then they're playing game one of a playoff series. I don't know. The interesting thing is they've got head-to-head left 
with both Nashville and Winnipeg, which are, of course, important. Mm -hmm. And Winnipeg-Nashville play one another twice between now and the end of the regular season, which I don't know how you read. I mean, do you want want them to split? Probably, because that Mm -hmm. way they they split in regulation, because that way they both remain in striking distance if you're behind them. Probably don't want one to sweep. uh, And you definitely don't want three-point games. Exactly. (laughs) So um, it's going to be a real interesting finish to the year. But I do think... I, I am I'm maybe slightly more optimistic than I was a week ago, but I didn't feel it was time to give up then, and, and I still definitely don't feel like it is now. And the out-of-town scoreboard only means something if the Flames take care of their business. And over the last six games, they've done that more often than not. 4-1-1 one, and one with 13 games to go is kind of the mm-hmm. pace they're going to need to have in the next six and then the next seven game span, you know, if they go four, one and one and four, one and two, they're probably a playoff team. So it's a, if if you're breaking it down into little segments, then flames were successful in this most recent segment. And with the 13 games left, you mentioned the, the kind of head to heads. So all the remaining games of the season, and this isn't a new thing. This, you know, this happened last year. This is typically how the end of the schedule kind of goes, but, all the remaining games are within the Western Conference, and mm-hmm. nine of the 13 are within the Pacific. And the Flames actually have a pretty soft schedule in terms of the quote-unquote strength of schedule. Um, but, of course, the Flames need to show that they can kind of take advantage of those yeah. soft spots in the schedule, right? Like, you've got to take care of business against Anaheim when you see them again. You can't lose to the Ducks you know, what is it next week or the week after? You can't lose another game to Anaheim. Not if you not if you want to actually be able to say, yep, we've got a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. You've got to take advantage of those things. And I think this is where this stretch is where we're going to find out if all those conversations we had, Pat, this season about all the one-goal games they're in and all the tight games they're in and losing those one-goal games, is that actually going to make them battle-tested? Like, did they learn enough through those stretches the season, through all those tough losses? Did they learn enough to be better and actually win those games when it matters most? Like, this is where we're going to kind of find out if we were just (laughs) saying that because we needed something to talk about or if they actually learned something from those experiences of losing all those one-goal games. For sure. And, and the you know, when you talk about the strength of schedule, I almost, it's almost irrelevant to me from a flame standpoint, um, but where it is a little more relevant to me, because as you mentioned, the flames have had so many eggs uh, laid against teams. They should be getting two points from. So I don't really put a lot of stock into Calgary strength of schedule just because of that. But when you take, and the team Winnipeg's is kind of middle of the road and, and, I think that, and it gets a little bit easier after the the Boston game, which obviously was going to be difficult for them. But what's really interesting to me is when you look at Nashville's schedule, they are like they are running a gauntlet. So yes, they've got those three games in hand on both the Jets and the Flames, but their schedule, I believe, in terms of degree of difficulty based on points percentages of opponents, I believe it's thirty uh, thirty one of thirty two. In that, it's the second most difficult in the league down the stretch. So. Mm-hmm. That is that's the interesting part to me is that Nashville may have those three games in hand, but they also have just an absolutely brutal schedule to finish off the year. So I'm curious how that plays into it. 
Um, and I am curious to see if the Flames have it in them to take advantage of what a lot of people are calling a soft schedule. But as we know, soft schedule for the Flames doesn't necessarily translate into the desired results. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Jets Preds tomorrow, and then the Preds have, you know, again, like you said, some pretty tough games coming up. They've got the Rangers on Sunday, uh, the Leafs a week from then. They've got Bruins, Penguins, Stars, Golden Knights, Canes, Avs, Flames. So yeah, that'll be one to watch in the out of town scoreboard. Um, let's wrap that part of the conversation pack because basically what we're saying is there's a chance. If you want the Flames to make the playoffs, there is a chance here Um, moving back to last night's game. And, you know, just a topic on the season as a whole, like Tyler Toffoli, if nothing else, (laughs) has been a bright spot for the Calgary Flames this year. I mean, a four-point night last night. He's up to 60 points in the season, which is a new career high. He's on pace for 33 goals, which would also be a career high. Um, what what have you kind of seen that's been different from Tyler Toffoli this year, and, and what has he kind of meant to this group? Well, honestly, I don't think anything's been different in terms of the way Toffoli's played. He's kind of been the guy that he's always been. He's a good finisher. He converts on opportunities when they're there, and he's a really smart two-way guy that even though he doesn't possess the NHL's most blinding speed, He's a guy that because he thinks it at such a high level and that thinking leads to him being so good on a nightly basis with his details, he just helps teams win hockey games. He helps teams generate offense and he helps teams not get scored on at the other end of the ice. And, and that's what he's done all year. What I think the difference is, is really for, you know, not, not the first time in his career, but I think consistently being a top-line player and being in a top-line right-wing spot all season long, you know, that, that's, I don't want to say it necessarily a first, but it's something that we have not seen a lot of. And, I mean, I think he, definitely in Montreal in his part of the season there or part of a couple, yeah, I guess it was part of a couple seasons there, um, Toffoli was in a pretty high-profile spot and put up some pretty good numbers. When he got to Vancouver, he was definitely used. In a, he's always been kind of that top six or middle six guy, but you go back to when he joined the Flames last season, he was kind of a middle six guy. This year, he's without question their number one right winger and has been from the day the puck dropped. And for him to be that from game one of a regular season and then not having that fluctuate, you know, it's, it's something that you know, I think has been a huge part for him. The increased opportunity where he's always on power play one and he's always in the 16 to 19 minute range in terms of ice time. I, I just think that you give a guy who's that smart and who's got that type of finishing ability, you give him a little bit more of an increased role because the Flames needed to give him that increased role with all of what happened in the offseason. I think a guy's going to flourish. He's been on some He's been on some pretty good teams in the past. Those were deep L.A. teams. Vancouver, uh, the, the trade deadline, he went there. They had a pretty decent group in terms of their forwards, and obviously uh, they were a, a team that scored at a pretty high clip that year with, uh, with, with some of what J.T. Miller was doing and so on and so forth. So I just I, I think I think Tyler Toffoli's the same guy that he's always been in terms of what he does, but when you get that added opportunity and you kind of get told that we need you to be a top-line player and be our number one right wing right from the get-go, 
I think you, you take it on as a challenge. He even talked about that last night, how he kind of looked at it as a challenge, and I want to prove that that's what I am. And I think he's done that. He's probably going to finish somewhere in the 75-point range when it's all said and done, if my math is correct. No, maybe a little less than that, but somewhere in the 70-point range is where he'll finish. And to get 71 projection right now, yeah. 71 is projected, okay. Yeah. So to get that type of production out of a guy at $4.5 million mm-hmm. at, at his age, and all, like it's it's been a really good story. He has been one of the you know two or three best and most consistent players on the team. I think you put him, Michael Backlund, probably Rasmus Anderson in that mix, and, and you can rank him however you want. But I know a lot of people rank Toffoli number one, and it's hard to argue. Him and Backlund have been this team's most consistent and impactful forwards all year long, and they would not be uh, still in this mix. They would not be still right there for a playoff spot if it wasn't for those two guys raising their game when maybe some other guys haven't always held up their end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Tyler Toffoli is the most naturally gifted goal scorer. Like he just has that ability. There isn't really another way to describe it. Like you either, I think Daryl's talked about this a lot in the last couple of years. You're either, you're either a goal scorer or you're not. And sometimes that's not the best way to try to explain a player's, you know, skill set or skill level. But like Tyler Toffoli is just a guy who has that shot. He has that nose for the net like he has that power move as we saw yesterday in, in his first goal of the game or that second goal for the flames like Tyler Toffoli is just a naturally gifted goal scorer um, and he's probably the only one we could say that about on the flames I mean Lindholm is a great shot we know that he's got a great release really underrated like kind of wrister gets it off quick uh, and I mean everybody seems to love Michael Backlund for everything that he provides this team but if we're talking it strictly on like production and, and goal scoring that's a uh, that's a big thing for Tyler Toffoli. Looking at uh, Jacob Markstrom, Pat, so we look at the 4-1-1 the one and one in their last six and getting nine of a possible 12. I mean, Markstrom's been the goalie in net for those nine points. That has gotten them those nine points. I know Dan Vladar uh, got the start in one game, and then Jacob Markstrom came in and finished that. I believe that was against Arizona. Um, but it's been Markstrom who's gotten nine of those 12 points. I don't even know if we need to go all the way to say, like, is Jacob Markstrom back? Because I don't think, while it would be nice, we don't need Jacob Markstrom. I say we. The Flames don't need Markstrom to, you know, fire off six shutouts in the next 13 games. Again, I'm sure that would be nice for for the Flames and for fans to be able to see that happen. Um, But they just need him to kind of do what he's been doing in the last six. Like, do you think he's back or is kind of what you've seen good enough like how do you evaluate the way that Jacob Markstrom's looked in the last you know six games and and couple weeks here so I believe it's now 10 consecutive appearances and eight straight starts for Markstrom is what we're talking about and in those eight straight starts and you know the Colorado game was the first so they lost the Colorado game and I didn't think he was great but the Flames weren't great they kind of got pounded by the defending Stanley Cup champs in Denver so I didn't think he was great but I didn't think that it was a great game for the team, period. Uh, then he came in uh, in relief of Dan Vladar in the Boston Oh, yeah, that was Boston. After, yeah, I don't know yeah. why I said Arizona. Sorry, Pat. I just wanted to correct myself. That was the Boston game. And it was after Vladar allowed two goals on four or five shots in the first period. And so Daryl made the decision to uh, put Jacob in. And he hasn't come out since. Uh, so that's 20... 
20 for 26 straight periods now for Jacob Markstrom. And, and he has looked like the same guy in all 26 of those periods. Like I, I don't think there's been a soft goal. You know, the, the, there, there's definitely a contingent of people who are not Markstrom fans. And so you sometimes see from that group, a lot of, well, I didn't like this goal or you should have stopped that goal, but I don't think there's been a soft goal that he's allowed in that stretch. And that was a problem that hampered him at times in the first three quarters of the season in that stretch. He's a 922 save percentage in his eight straight starts. So he's, uh, he's been in net for all of March so far for Calgary, uh, four, three and one, but a 922 save percentage and a 222 goals again. So he is playing like a number one goalie. He's got his only shutout in that stretch. They finally have a goalie that stole a game for them in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. And he just looks like the guy that, again, not the guy that almost tied Mika Kiprasov's shutout record because that was that was just an anomaly season, especially with yeah. all the shutouts in the first core, first half of the season, right? But he looks like the $6 million goaltender they signed. He looks like a number one goalie. He looks like a guy that you can rely on every night. And when you need him to steal a game, he'll be there. And when you need him to just be steady, he'll be there. That's what Jacob Markstrom looks like right now. And I think, I think that there are plenty of um, theories or hypotheses to why all of a sudden he's back in that groove, whether it was the Flames like they did going to him and saying, Jacob, we need you. Final quarter of the season, we want to we make the playoffs. We need to get hot, which means we need you to get your game back to a higher level. We're putting our faith mm-hmm. in you. I think that there's a correlation there. And he and his partner had their first child, and, you know, everybody's healthy and okay. And so I'm sure that, having no children of my own, I can't relate. But I would imagine, and you talk to enough people who do have children, that, you know what, that weight off your shoulders and everybody being happy and healthy, and now you have new meaning in your life, all that type of stuff, that probably correlates to it as well. And I don't know how much each of those correlates to it, but I give Jacob a lot of credit. He, uh, he has taken a challenge and he has taken a situation where they needed him and he's answered the bell. I think he's back. Uh, as I said, uh, I think it was yesterday on the flames talk. Like the reason why I've been pushing the Jacob Markstrom is not done or not washed narrative all year is because you don't get to the numbers he put up over the last five or six seasons drop off for one year and then all of a sudden you're done i always always buy way more into the five or six years that led up to the down year than the one down year being oh no that's what is important in the last five or six years don't matter and there's been whether it's jonathan quick or Terry price or cam talbot or you can go down the list henrik lundquist these guys all have had down years and looked like, oh, what's wrong with, or Cotter Hellebuck or whatever. And they've all had years. They're like, oh, what's wrong with goaltender X? And then they bounce back the following year because they're good goaltenders. And it's such a stupid position that is so unpredictable and unscientific, yeah. especially for those who don't work in it, that you just kind of have to go by the, the the numbers and the history. And I just don't think if a guy like Jacob, who has been a, a 915-ish goaltender starting 55 to 60 games a year for the better part of half a decade, all of a sudden he drops off in three quarters of a season and then he's done. That's why, that's why I've been pushing back on the Jacob's done, Jacob's washed narrative because usually these guys do bounce back and it looks like that's exactly what's happening right now. And even if the Flames don't make the playoffs, the fact that 
the final quarter of the season might be Jacob Markstrom getting his game back. If that's the only positive that comes from the final quarter of the season and they still end up missing, that's still a massive positive for them going into next year. We think of last season when he had all the shutouts and he's, you know, almost breaking Mika Kiprasov's shutout record. And a lot of the conversation was, well, the Flames don't allow a whole lot against. And that's like a team stat, right? So, you know, he he got his flowers. He was a Vesna finalist. People were talking about how good Markstrom was last year. Um, but, yeah, it was very much like, oh, well, that's a team stat. And then now this year, it's, well, he needs to be better what else is the team supposed to do in front of him so it's an unforgiving position it's hard to you know say he's back to last year's level because again he almost broke Mika Kiprasov's shutout record but I think objectively we can say that he has elevated his game uh, and is kind of rising to this important occasion for for the Flames here down the stretch thanks for this Pat let's see where they're at next week bye friend there goes our friend Pat Steinberg. He's the host of Flames Talk. You can hear him later this afternoon here on Sports at 960. The Fan on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. And the Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take order delivery at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Jason Bukala, the former NHL scout and current analyst at Sportsnet and Sports Sportsnet.ca. Uh, take a little look at some of the Flames prospects who are going to be in action in some pretty big games over the next couple days uh, and chat a bit about the news that Devin Levi is leaving Northeastern. He was the star, or one of the stars of the 2021 World Junior Championships, uh, leaving Northeastern and signing his ELC with the Buffalo Sabres. That's all coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Final segment of this Friday of St. Patrick's Day. I hope everyone's enjoying this while they listen and get ready to go and do fun things, fun Irish things, wearing green jerseys and such. I was looking on the text line during... uh, the sports net today and there's lots of lots of texts about stew um i heard there was a conversation about cabbage so that's great we're not going to do that here though because we're going to go back to the atlas pizza guest hotline and chat with jason bukla former nhl scout current analyst with uh sportsnet.ca uh and the network in general jason i hear you're in an airport how are we doing? You yeah, all right? I hate airports. I hate traveling lately. Uh, don't travel on St. Patty's Day anywhere. It, it's just, uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it should be the excuse, but I'm going to use it for today. It's been hectic. It's been a hectic day. Mm. But that's, that's our life sometimes, right? That's the way it is. I haven't, I haven't had a flight leave at the scheduled time in a while. Oh, <laughs> no. that's terrible. And, and, you know, we could do a whole show on that, couldn't we? It's, it's a, it's a we're running out of excuses. Sometimes it's weather. Sometimes it's ticketing. Sometimes it's computers. And I don't know. You just test your patience. It is what it is. What are you going to do? There's one thing that I learned, um, which was if your flight is more than three hours delayed, like if you land at your destination more than three hours after you were supposed to, you could be eligible for money back. 
but typically my flights are like two hours and 55 minutes late. So I could never, I've never been able to, you know, do the whole thing where I'm like, hey, I'm extremely late for my, you know, work or my event. You know, it's just, just right on the line. So I just get to be annoyed. Anyways, we got we got some news today, Jason. Devin Levi is leaving Northeastern. He signed his entry-level contract in Buffalo this afternoon. He was, you know, kind of one of the big stars for Canada at the World Juniors in 2021. He led the NCAA with a 9.52 save percentage in 2021-22, second best mark in NCAA history. Really good again this year. Uh, another nation leading 933 save percentage. Like this is a goalie who has proven a lot at the junior and collegiate level. But what does this transition to pro look like for Devin Levi, Jason? I think that uh, you guys in Calgary have something kind of similar going on with uh, Dustin Wolf at the American League level. And, and the reason I say that is because uh, Levi, as we know, is uh, an undersized goaltender based on the average stature of an NHL goalie today. Um, But having said that, historically, this kid, he just wins everywhere he goes. And um, he battles. He's uh, Years ago, before he even got drafted in Florida, and full full disclosure, I was not in Florida when he was drafted. That's a great job by Shane Churl and his staff um, before he was traded to Buffalo. But... Um, up in the Ottawa region, he would, um, when the Senators were taking like game day skates or extra ice and, and they were short of goaltender and he was playing tier two in the region, he used to go out and skate with the pros, uh, even during like rookie camps and training camp, uh, extra ice. And all he is is a rink rat. He's worked hard at his craft. Uh, the stats speak for himself. Um, you know, I'm hoping for big things for the kid. And there's an opportunity in Buffalo going forward. Um, you know, with Anderson, obviously, I would think this will be Anderson's last year at 41 years old. You got to think that, right? So I think there's going to be some opportunities. There's going to be some opportunities to win the net in Buffalo. Uh, they're going to be young in that, but there's going to be some opportunities. It was another example of some nice maneuvering by the Sabres, obviously good drafting in Florida, um, but for the Sabres to kind of go out and get Levi in the first-round pick in that Sam Reinhart deal uh, in the summer of 2021. Nice little move for a team that was kind of still searching for that goalie of the future because, as you said, it can't be Craig Anderson forever. I know they. I, it seems like they like Uko Pekalukinen, um, but I'm curious, where do you think Devin Levi is going to kind of rank in that organizational depth chart with somebody like Lukinen already a couple years ahead of him in terms of pro experience? I think he's going to push him early. I think it's, a, it's in his DNA to do that anyways. So it's going to be one of those things when the kid gets to development camp in his first NHL training camp next year that, He's going to push uh, push somebody for a job right away because again, you know, character, um, drive, determination, putting in the time, putting in the work. Uh, he's an underdog and he knows that. He's been that every every step of the way, but he just keeps proving himself. So you know, they've got Eric Comrie there as well. Um, so I would suggest to you that uh, you know it's going to be a wide open type of battle or two spots uh, with the Sabres come next uh, fall. And obviously the team's on the rise. They've done a great job. Like, I mean, there was a lot of people that uh, were, you know, thinking, well, we were a little bit puzzled by what the direction was for a long stretch there, I guess is the safest way to put it. And, um, but they've done a heck of a job. They've got a lot of great assets. 
Um, they've uh, obviously turned it up a notch and they're challenging for a playoff spot, which is good for the entire team, especially the young guys. Tage Thompson's a star. Um, God, that team's on the rise. It's, uh, they're right they're right on the cusp of a playoff spot this year. It's going to be interesting down the stretch. So one other newsy item I wanted to ask you about, Jason, before we maybe get into your story from Sportsnet.ca this week on the Flames prospect report um, and maybe dive in on Matt Coronado a little bit, is the reports that the QMJHL might ban fighting starting next season. There's been a ton of debate online about this, you know, how many more teams or leagues are going to adopt this? Is this going to impact, um, you know, the fan base? Is the Q going to lose money over this? Are the players going to develop in the right way and transition to pro? All right. Like when you hear this news and you kind of drown out that noise, like what do you make of this, you know, potential new ban on fighting in the Q next season? You know, I've been trying to digest it today, and I'm torn on a lot of uh, levels. On, on one level, um, the reality, as we all know, is that fighting is way down um, across all leagues, and um, therefore it's not really a situation that's um, – it's not a big play in the game anymore. There's a role for it. There's a role for toughness, clearly. Um, but uh, beyond that, uh, in the queue itself, I don't think it's going to affect uh, attendance. I don't think people are sitting at home saying that they don't want to bring their kids to a game or, or go to a game if you're a diehard fan in an area uh, because there's not going to be fighting in a game. I, I don't see that happening. So, But it is interesting, Haley, to see what's, what happens next. I mean, generally speaking, over the years, David Branch and the Ontario Hockey League have, has, has been the lead that uh, is a little bit more aggressive in rule changes mm-hmm. like this. And to see the Quebec League take the step uh, that they have, um, it's going to take some time to, to let it play out. But, um, you know, I'm 50-50 on it. I, I understand why it, it is. I don't want to say that I, I want to ban fighting from the game yet, though. I, I think it's traditionally part of it in the right situation. For sure. And I think one of the important parts of this conversation is, you know, I, my first job was in junior hockey. I worked for the Oshawa Generals for a couple seasons. Right. And I don't know how many times I could tell you that there was like a big fight that got everybody going. Like it's just, it, it happens in junior. It happens in major junior for sure. Like there were guys who, who would drop the gloves late in games, but there were already so many penalties for fighting in the league that I think that kind of did a lot of the work for it. Like I, I really couldn't tell you how many big fights I saw in my three years working in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, no, and I remember seeing you at the rink, you know, in, in Oshawa, you know, when you were working there. And, oh, and no. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, listen, hey, it's, hey, hey, we're professional scouts. We know us every hey, Plus, let's be honest, that's one of the best uh, pregames in the whole league, right? Downstairs. It's great. Woo-hoo! Anyways, yeah, well, uh, we, we digress. But um, um, here's the thing. I would rather see the physical contact of the, of the game um, ramp up and not having to fight somebody for a clean check. So mm-hmm. I would like this physicality to set the tone and to set um, or to energize your bench. You know, you, you know, a good, big, clean ice hit, open ice hit, you know, hip check, something old school. Um, I'd rather see that than having to drop the gloves to, to energize the bench. So maybe we get away from this whole staged, I call it a stage. I don't like the reaction. When there's a big hit, even in the National Hockey League, I, like why do you have to fight because there's a big open ice hit? It doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me. Like, you know, that's part of our game. 
So at the junior level, let's get more physical and uh, see maybe how it goes that way. Yeah, and, you know, the conversation about how when somebody drops the gloves and has the fight, it's because, you know, there's a tough guy on the team who wants to show someone, hey, like, you can't just, you can't do that. It's like, well, <laughs> they should do, they can do that, and they should do it. It's a clean hit, and those are, you know, kind of <laughs> in, in bounds. Let's not, let's not fight to get rid of those big clean hits and that's obviously was one of the big talking points of the GM's meetings in Palm Beach was you know trying to find a way to stop the fights after clean hits um, so we know that's something the NHL is kind of looking at right now um, we've got a couple more minutes left here with you Jason I-, I wanted to ask you about your story from this week your Flames prospect report uh, that came out on sportsnet.ca if anyone's listening and they want to check that out um, let's let's get into Matt Coronado because Harvard is playing in the ECAC semis tonight against Cornell what do you make of Matt Coronado's season so far you know his play in the NCAA with the Crimson and kind of what does he bring to the Flames kind of prospect pipeline well he's been very consistent I mean uh, year over year you know you're seeing him statistically I, I think he's like one point off of his pace from last year three less games played um, the one big thing that you're going to notice in him from last year to this year was his element is obviously offense. We know that. He's got a great stick, great release, backdoor on the power play, crafty making plays uh, on the power play especially. But, you know, even strength, um, not a burner between the blue lines, but when he gets zone entries, he's flat out a playmaker. Like he has to be opponents have to pay attention to him because, you know, offense is coming off of his stick. What he's done this year, though, Haley, is he's gone to another level similar to some of the other better prospects in the NCAA, uh, like a Nyes in Minnesota, his defensive game has gone to another level. He's been more trustworthy on the penalty kill, uh, more detailed all over the ice in terms of off the puck detail, picking up his right man, uh, you know, collapsing around the net to help out. So, um, you know, he's a plus 27. They have a good team. Like, so, you know, that, of course, the team game plays into some of these statistics. But, you know, he's, he's a plus 27. And a big part of why they're as good as they are is because a leader on their team offensively has also contributed with the type of detail he has. So uh, having said all of that, though, the only thing that's going to hold him back at the NHL level from playing to his offensive identity is he needs to get a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. So I'm looking for him to add a little bit more of a gear, especially at his height and stature. Um, and he's got time to do that. You know, he hasn't had a huge volume of games. So um, he's got time. He's a great A, or great a uh, prospect for them. And uh, I see him being starting like in the three hole, but trending up to be a top six forward. Now, this apologies because this might be an unfair question to ask you. This is something to ask, you know, Matt Coronado himself. But, you know, from from your kind of outside perspective, could you see him going pro once his season's over? Um, and if the Flames are still playing, or do you think he's someone who would do well to have another year of of kind of marination in in college? I would prefer if I'm a Calgary Flame um, executive for him to come out after this season. That would be my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, going back as a junior to Harvard, I always get a little bit um, concerned the longer they stay at Harvard traditionally. So um, that would be one of my concerns, although he is on record saying he wants to be a Calgary Flame. So that's good news. Um, the short answer, though, is it's not going to hurt him either way. I think that I would... 
uh, what trumps it for me is I want him to play more games and I want him to be on the ice even more than he is right now. And I think that by getting uh, in the Calgary system, especially with the Wranglers being right there, I think that uh, getting, uh, you know, 72 games under his belt at the very least uh, would really help his development. So my vote is for him to come out after this year. They might have to burn a year off the contract, um, depending on where they are in the playoff race. And as we all know, they're, they're nip and tuck to make playoffs, but they might have to burn a year on his contract and get him in a game to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. We'll see uh, kind of how things go with Harvard season. Again, they're playing Cornell tonight in the ECAC semis, and uh, we'll all kind of watch and see what comes next for Matt Coronado. Thanks for this, Jason. Absolutely no problem. Happy St. Patrick's Day, so go out and have a pint. <laughs> you too. Hopefully you can find a spot and have a beer in the airport. Okay. Thanks a lot. We'll, we'll see you later. All right, see so yeah, there goes Jason Bukla, former NHL scout, current analyst with Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. If you want to check out more on the Flames Prospect Report, hear, got, hear about guys like Dustin Wolf, Topi Roney. You can catch that on Sportsnet.ca. That's all the time we have today for Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. Uh, Calgary Flames taking on the Dallas Stars on Saturday. You can get all that here on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames.